say, my words and the thoughts of all our hearts be pleasing to you. Amen. When I was preparing this sermon, it struck me that that whole dinner party that we've just read about in the Gospel is rather an extraordinary affair. Let's just look at it for a minute. Let's just look at the culture and the customs at that time and try to grasp the significance of what actually happened. The special guest was Jesus, who'd gained a reputation in the area. Not only had he been healing people with various ailments, but he'd even raised someone from the dead. And the religious leaders were unsettled by him, suspicious, certainly not happy with what he was doing. In a way, it was strange that he'd been invited to what was a pretty formal affair. After all, the invitation was quite an honour. And yet, the religious leaders and Jesus still shared their common love of God and of the law of Moses. So, invited he was. And what is more, despite the fact that he'd been treated pretty shabbily by some of the Pharisees, he accepted Not that Jesus was too particular about his eating companions. He'd eat with anyone, even tax collectors and sinners. The host was someone identified by Lucas Simon, the Pharisee. And as was usual at a formal dinner like this, the guests were reclining round the table, which would have been in a sort of omega shape, would have been open at one end for the servants to bring in the food, and it would have been surrounded by cushions. And the guests lie on their sides, leaning on their left elbows and using their right hands to reach across and to help themselves to the food. Their feet would have been curled behind them, away from the tables. And that's why it's so important for a host to see that guests have a bowl, a basin, and a towel to wash their feet after having trudged through the dust. Simon, Luke tells us, did not offer this simple and rather crucial act of hospitality to his guests. 
And another custom was that the poor were let into the courtyard so that they could share in the food left over from the meal. This helped to feed the hungry, but it also meant that the leftover food didn't spoil. It wasn't, though, altogether altruistic. It was also an opportunity for the host to look good, performing a meritorious act of charity above and beyond the required time. So Simon's dinner was quite a formal banquet. All the best people were there, and Jesus was a special guest. It was all going to plan until a woman from the courtyard came right in to the guests and up to the table. She was crying, weeping, and she went straight over to Jesus and began washing his feet with her tears using her hair as a towel. An act of courtesy and hospitality that Simon himself didn't offer. And that would have been startling enough. But then she revealed a beautiful jar filled with fragrant ointment. She obviously wasn't poor. A poor woman would not have had the means to purchase a beautiful alabaster jar full of such ointment. And while she anointed Jesus' feet, she also kissed them further. We can imagine, I expect, the effect on the guests, and particularly on Simon. His thoughts could well have been written all over his face. We don't know. What we do know is that Jesus appeared to know exactly what Simon was thinking. Even so, he made no move to chastise him openly at that point. And in that culture, a banquet could include challenging riddles and philosophical puzzles. So when Simon heard what Jesus said next, he may well have thought that Jesus was posing a riddle for him to solve. After all, the setting was very uncommon, very common. Two debtors and their creditor. Most people would have faced the financial strain of money owed when Rome was forever raising taxes. Landlords always demanding more payment, 
crops failing, stingy bosses not paying on time, and so on. So Jesus posed his riddle, and Simon fell for it in a big way. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they couldn't pay, he cancelled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? And it seems obvious that someone who owes a year and a half's wages would be more grateful than the one who owes only two months' wages. And that's what Simon answered. He just didn't get it. I suspect, though, that anyone who's been in a similar position to the debtors would get it. It doesn't matter how much you owe, the precise amount, because if you get yourself in that much debt, you've already had to sell the farm, so to speak. Either of those amounts would mean becoming a debt slave. You and all your family. For any amount to be forgiven would mean freedom instead of slavery. So, for both debtors, the gratitude, or love, as Jesus put it, would be absolute, not relatively more or less. So, Simon took the bait and Jesus went along with it for a short time. But then he drove the real point home. And it was this. Simon was so busy condemning both this woman and Jesus that he didn't even recognize his own shortcomings. The point is that love is not quantifiable either. One doesn't love more or less relative to the situation. This woman had been offered and had accepted forgiveness and therefore showered her tears and gratitude upon Jesus. She showed Jesus the true hospitality that Simon had neglected. Before, though, she could be forgiven, she had had to recognize that she had faults, that she had sinned. She had to really want and need 
forgiveness. Only then could she be forgiven and could she receive God's grace and love. Simon's self-righteous attitude made him see himself as morally upright and not in need of forgiveness. He saw himself as better than the woman and probably better than a lot of the guests he'd invited to his dinner. He didn't think that much of Jesus either. He certainly didn't show any love in either his actions or his attitudes. He obviously didn't see any need for humility or forgiveness, and he was worse for not seeing. And so the woman went on her way. Her faith, Jesus said, had brought her wholeness. In recognizing her need to be forgiven and in accepting that forgiveness, she responded out of lavish, uncalculating love. And I have a feeling that as a result, her whole life I wonder whether we relate best to Simon the Pharisee or to that woman, the one who admitted that she was a sinner. And my guess is that most of us see a little of each of those people in ourselves. It's incredibly hard sometimes to accept those who are different from us, whose lifestyle we don't understand, and whose views conflict with ours. It's important to remember that we all have faults or shortcomings and that we all need God's forgiveness. If you're at all like me, it's not just once, but time and time again. But what I hope that we recognize as forgiven sin is that we are called to forgive others as we have been forgiven. To forgive ourselves as we've been forgiven. And to be, be a community of believers who will welcome us, especially those different from ourselves, with hospitality, forgiveness, and love. Amen.
Thank you, Wendy. Well, sir.